0: mindset, parenting, and of course, all the nuances of pregnancy and postpartum. From expert interviews to engaging conversations and reflections, this podcast is your trustworthy, relatable resource for learning how to practice brave through every season in your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Practice Brave Podcast. Today I'm here with Miranda, real life, in person, and we are recording this podcast to help recap what she's been up to and where she's at right now postpartum. So Miranda, thanks for being here. Quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> so just to give you some context, I've been coaching Miranda pretty much since the beginning of her pregnancy. Um, she did the pregnant athlete training program. I consulted with her. We tried to just improve her overall strength and conditioning through that process. You can check out the episode that we recorded. I wish I knew it off the top of my head of the practice break podcast with her where we recap some of her pregnancy. And a little bit of her postpartum. But now that she's seven months postpartum, we've really been focusing on rehabbing and rebuilding, getting her into a place where she feels confident, upping her intensity and hopefully getting a fight around the time she's a year postpartum, which will be in August July, August, July, Um, August, 2022. Yeah. Getting the fight in July, but you'll be a year postpartum in August. Yeah. Right. Of 2022. Mm -hmm. So that's the timeline that we're working with. So around six months postpartum, we met up at the UFC performance Institute in Las Vegas, and we were able to do like a battery of tests for strength conditioning to know like, okay, she's gotten to this point with her rehab, with her general fitness with rebuilding. And now it's time to really dial in a lot of her strength conditioning that will help match what she needs to do in the cage and in her her day-to-day training. So, Miranda, tell us what your day-to-day training or maybe like your weekly training schedule yeah. is actually like now.
1: Yeah, so on Mondays, I would do like a lift in the mornings and then from your program mm-hmm. and then go to the gym. I train some of the girls, like I I coach all the girls, so then I do that for a little while like from 4 to 5 and then from 5 to 6 I have fighters training which is Just sparring. And then Tuesdays, I drive like an hour away and do like a basically like a striking class. And that's at AMC. It's with Matt Hume and Demetrius Johnson. And anyone knows anything about fighting, Demetrius Johnson's like the greatest fighter in the world. So really cool to be working with him. And then on Wednesdays, I have wrestling practice at Charlie's Combat Club, which is my gym. And then Thursdays, two hour wrestling practice at like a wrestling club because I need extra work on my wrestling and then Fridays go back to AMC do some more like it's like more an intense sparring and then Saturdays it's kind of like a whatever I needed to work on cover that some PC stuff right also lifting on well Mondays Wednesdays and Saturdays have kind of turned into my lifting days so right
0: yeah right and just you know it's been a long process of getting you to that point of feeling confident to take on that much volume Mm -hmm. of training and not just volume, but intensity. Mm -hmm. But what was it like a couple months ago before you were doing this? Yeah. I just felt like the
1: worst person in the room at all times. (laughs) (laughs) My ego was just like taking a huge tank, Yeah, it just felt like I was getting so tired, so fast, so fatigued, so fast. And everything just felt like loose and not, I don't know. I'm so used to being, or at least Competing to be the best at the Mm -hmm. time. So, like, not even being able to like push myself was like really frustrating for me.
0: Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, after you, you had Austin, there was a period of just like nothing. Mm -hmm. And then there was a period of a little bit of rehab. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, working with a pelvic floor physical therapist, which was really helpful for you to get some feedback. Yeah. And then not really any symptoms, right? Like, pretty, Mm -hmm. feeling pretty good. I know when we, started to increase some of your training and intensity. That was like around maybe like that 12 week postpartum mark. You started to have like some pressure when you started like sparring. Yeah. It might yeah, have been was, like eight to
1: 12 weeks. It was more there. like after sparring, like when you right. come home, it just kind of felt like, like tight pressure. And then I was getting, I don't know. No, you could like, like, say anything. It was you like want like, those was like uh, <laughs> the butthole Charlie horses, were right? Like happening all the time, right.
0: like all the time. So
1: those were like really intense,
0: right? <laughs> And just for reference, and you, if you guys have not watched um, our Instagram videos, check out the the highlight that I have on my Brianna Battles page on Instagram. You can see some of Miranda's tendencies. So, like she is, you're pretty tall, right? Like five five seven. Eight, eight, yeah, five seven. Perfect. And she fights at one fifteen, but walks at like one 135. 130, 135. Yeah. yeah. Between
1: 130, 140, actually. I mean, right. depending on how much I've eaten. <laughs> depending
0: on the season. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So my point was when you watch her move, she's a taller, thinner person, but she holds a lot of tension in her glutes. And so my focus through her pregnancy and into postpartum was we need to undo a lot of those tendencies because that's where she's naturally going to be. She fights there. She feels really good there, but we have to improve how her glutes and therefore her pelvic floor is able to absorb Uh, force, pressure, and control, because that will directly translate into her symptoms and then her threshold of being able to absorb impact, able to absorb striking and producing that too. So much of MMA is anticipatory and reactionary. So she has to be able to do both. So being able to focus on her glutes a lot and change some of those tendencies, which we're going to talk about has been very key throughout this entire process is taking a baseline of who she is, how she moves, what her background is, what she needs to do, what she wants to do. And then how do we make it better
1: mm-hmm.
0: on top of like the whole, you know, you grew a human, had a human <laughs> taking care of a human sort of thing. So that's what that has looked like. Now that you are, you've crossed into a new part of your progression, you've hit like a developmental leap of your own, so to speak. At now seven months postpartum, you started to experience some symptoms. Yeah. What are those symptoms?
1: Yeah. So I would say like somewhere within the last like couple of weeks, as I've really started upping the intensity of my workouts, I've just been having like the peeing feeling yeah. or actually peeing, <laughs> yeah. like sprawling, peeing, you know, pushing forward, peeing. So, and I have never had that since I had the baby, right. so I thought I was just like off the hook and um, yeah, I was just doing things. Not the correct way, obviously, (laughs) we talked about, but like just doing things like how I've always done them. And now, with like having those symptoms,
0: obviously, like I have to change some things, make some adjustments. Yeah. Yeah. And so, just to provide some clarity and maybe also make it a little bit more relatable, it's not that her pelvic floor is weak, it's that she is pushing to a new threshold. She's kind of reaching her symptom capacity, symptom threshold. And so, we have to say, okay if that movement like sprawling for example is causing you symptoms let's look at why like what is it that's happening and when is it happening well it's not the first couple sprawls yeah it's after you've sprawled a lot so now there's like fatigue as a factor in there so what can we do to get you tired but also get your body and your mostly your brain to respond when you are that fatigued because that's going to help that again that reactionary mm-hmm. and anticipatory component of having to sprawl when somebody's doing like a double leg takedown. Yeah. Right? And
1: I, and like the, like, I would say majority of the symptoms would happen like on Friday night at that sparring session. Cause it's like, I've gone the whole week. I've done mm-hmm. all my things all week. And then like Friday comes and I'm like feeling ready to go warming up. And then almost like, I'm not even like that tired during the, that training session, but my body's just been so fatigued the whole week Right. that then that's when it's happening. Even in like the first round of sparring, even if right. I'm not like dead tired yet, it's right. just like, I've already gone through the whole week.
0: Right. And so what does that do to your brain? It just makes
1: me not want to do it. Yeah. And it like disengages me from sparring and then brings me right back to how I felt before I was even upping the intensity where I felt like right. I just like couldn't do any of the things that I wanted to do. So it's like, if I'm going to spar, cause I like striking, I want to get in close and I want to spar and I want to like get out of range, get in range, but I'm like afraid to engage because I know if I engage that I can get taken down. And if I get taken down, I have to sprawl. And then if I sprawl I might pee on my partner's head. Right. So it's like (laughs) a total mindfuck. Yeah. 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 So then that's what I'm thinking about instead of like what I need to do or where I need to go or footwork. All that stuff.
0: Yeah. And point of reference, like this is not uncommon for a lot of female fighters. And we have to really like honor this part of what it's like to be a female athlete that's pursuing combat sports, because this is not just because she had a baby thing. This is fatigue. This is positional. And this is just sort of like the sum of that kind of training. It is again, so reactionary and so anticipatory, and that can be very, very hard on the female anatomy just straight up. So again, without even having a baby, these are still really hard positions going into a sprawl, which is essentially like doing a burpee, but like a wide leg. And then you're generating a ton of tension down. Do you like how I'm doing this? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I like I talk and I like move so that um, I can understand what I'm trying to say. But then you're like applying a lot of downward tension on the person that who's trying to take you down. Or if you're trying to drive into somebody, it's the same thing where you're really pushing and squeezing and trying to generate a ton of tension. And when those hips tuck under that much, and when you lose that, like basically midline control, Mm -hmm. that's when some symptoms can happen. And then you add the wide leg component to it. You're just kind of asking to pee. Yeah. So we were drilling that. And I know that you were really frustrated the other week because you peed on your teammate's head, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think that's such a great story. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think it's a great story though, because it was her first time going like, okay, like we gotta, we gotta do something about this. It's not just, um, and in MMA and combat sports, jujitsu, whatever it might be, it's not the same as lifting where, you know, we can take a lot of the principles that I, I coach and I talk about where we can make maybe a breathing adjustment or positional adjustment or certain tension adjustments. Yes. But that's also really easy because it's a squat. It's a very mm-hmm. like straightforward movement, like down and up deadlift, hinge back, stand up. Press over your head and down. Like it's just very straightforward where um, like MMA is so dynamic and you don't exactly know what's gonna happen next. Mm-hmm. And so your for your body, like you can't really prepare for that a lot of the times. And even making those adjustments can be hard to do in the moment. So yeah. really being able to focus on her brain, being able to interpret that quickly, since it's not gonna be so much of a muscular adjustment right. Um, right. in the moment where you're like, okay. I'm going to stack my rib cage and yeah. I'm going to move to this range of motion. Like it just doesn't work like that. It's so much more fluid.
1: And like one thing that I have noticed, it's like, it shouldn't be, but it is like embarrassing when mm-hmm. it happens. And you're just like, like having to tell my partner that I like, I have to stop. I just peed. And then you're like questioning yourself. Like, do I stop? Is something wrong? Like, right. you just don't, I mean, especially cause I didn't have any symptoms and now like, you know, having those symptoms, I'm like, did I do something wrong? Did I push right. myself too hard? And it's, you know, yeah. just.
0: Yeah. yeah. And Nick, what I try to remind her is like, this is just the sum of all of the things it's her increasing her intensity and her adding new, like new dynamics to her training. And yeah, she had a baby. There's things it's you're still nursing. Like there are just things that aren't totally regulated just yet. So how do we take some of what you naturally do and make some adjustments to that? In a way that will improve performance and improve public health. Mm-hmm. We're not trying to change how she fights. That is not my job. That's not what I want to do. But what I want to do is take how she fights and make it more appropriate for the body she's in right now, because mm-hmm. that body is not the same one that it was when you were like 25. Right. And what we were talking about earlier is like what you're able to kind of get away with just by being like more athletic than everyone. Yeah. It's not the same anymore. Yep. You're 30? Yeah, almost. Almost 30. <laughs> 29 still. Yeah. For like a little <laughs> bit longer. Um 30, basically. And you have a baby. Yeah. And you don't want your fighting career to end yet. No. So how do we like preserve you for mm-hmm. as long as possible? Mm-hmm. And that isn't about trying to go back. It's about taking inventory so that you can move forward very effectively. Yeah. And that's something we talk about a lot as If you guys follow me, you know, that's kind of, it's kind of the thing that we try to really emphasize here with all things, pregnancy and postpartum athleticism, and then like pursuing that lifetime of athleticism, it should look different because it is different, Mm -hmm. which like, obviously, right. But it's so hard (laughs) to think that way because you're like, okay, well, I just want to do that again, or I just want to feel like this again, but there's actually like so much positive change. And so I want to talk about what we've done this weekend in particular, because I feel like between when we saw each other, maybe like five weeks ago at, um, in Vegas, mm-hmm. five, six weeks ago in Vegas to now we've added strength, conditioning components that have been very effective. Um, just to give you guys a general idea, her abs are doing great. I'm not concerned about a diastasis at all. Um, floor also like really good. It's just, we're reaching like symptom threshold. She's been great we were Loading her midline, a lot of front squats. We're training a lot of like power movements, so power cleans, a lot of hip thrusts. Again, I'm really trying to get her glutes more developed and stronger. And like, you can see the results, right? Yeah, yeah, my husband. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw her and I was like, dude, you like have a butt now. This is great. <laughs> um, because again, she like naturally you don't really have glutes right. naturally, and you, you stand with them under, so they're very underutilized in your activities of daily living and in your training and Mm -hmm. in your fighting. So we're trying to get her to utilize her glutes and that hip drive a lot more. So loading her midline, doing a lot of like power movements and just a lot of like more rotational things like that. So her strength conditioning program has become a lot more sports specific than general, which is what she was doing prior to that six month mark, which is more like, let's get your strength conditioning, like very um, diverse, really, really well-rounded And now let's make it more sports specific. So that's the phase that we're in right now. So when she she's in Idaho right now, when she came here, um, we went to Gracie Baja in Boise, and we were able to do a couple hours of training. And what we were able to drill is a lot of the movements that she's been struggling with. So Mm -hmm. let's start out talking about what did we do first. I did the the, double leg. leg.
1: Yeah, double (laughs) leg is like a type of takedown. Basically, like you're wrapping up right under the butt trying yeah. to sweep both of their legs out. I'm trying to like right. bring it down and then like pull them out and basically like throw them down to the ground. Right. But by like wrapping them up with their legs. Right. Kind of so like what like a lineman would do in football. Right. right. Like so then what I want to do to like counter that is to like sprawl my hips down, push forward with my arms to kind of get you away. And then also kind of drive forward at the same time so that I win like that power battle. Right. So I drive your head down to the mat without you getting my legs. Right. You get
0: my legs, then
1: basically, like, I'm screwed. Because
0: if I'm trying to do that double leg takedown on Miranda, and like, again, Miranda likes to stand. Yeah. She does not want to go down. No. So she will not be doing the takedown. Yeah. She's going to try to stand for as long as she can. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I like,
0: I like grappling. There's nothing against it. I just like, really like striking. Right. So it's like, yeah. Right. So if anything, she would typically be the person who, they're trying to take down. Mm-hmm. And so she has to have a really good defense. Yeah. Now her defense has typically felt weak, mm-hmm. especially recently because she has to put that extra force as she's trying to defend and sprawl. And she's trying to drive their head down into the ground, but that person is also driving into them. So we drilled a lot of that with me driving into her and initially She was saying like, yeah, I like I peed or I feel like I need to pee. And I was able to push her for a while, maybe like, I don't know, 10 feet, 10 feet or so back uh, where I was able to get in a really good drive and she wasn't able to stop the drive. Right. And then you do that repetitively. Like that's really going to irritate the pelvic floor where then she'll start peeing more because that's a lot of repetitive, resisting that drive, a lot of tension, her trying to like drop her hips down towards the floor so that she's trying to smash my head. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like reverse potty training. Yes, (laughs) exactly. So there was a lot of that. So what we ended up doing for that drill was, um, I had her kind of like a wheelbarrow where she was on the ground, um, walking on her hands and I was holding her ankles and I made sure she was able to hold that like midline, basically like a plank. And I was giving her resistance back and lateral. And again, like go to my Instagram and you can see some of that in action where we just show like, okay, maintain that position when I'm trying to give you resistance, when it is hard to keep walking forward, because the second her hips drop, that's when she was experiencing that weakness feeling where mm-hmm. it's almost like a collapse and her pelvic floor also gives it's when the, when her, when her hips drop down to that floor and she's in a very clenched butt cheek position, mm-hmm. right? That's when you're peeing yep. wide legs and clenched. So we got her drilling some of that both in the wheelbarrow position and then kind of even into, into the wall. We mm-hmm. did that too. And you can see again, if you reference on Instagram, we showed her up against the wall doing a drill where we showed what her pelvis looked like when she is normally kind of in that sprawled position where it tucks under and just how much easier it is to maneuver her around and control. And then when I had her bring her glutes up a little bit, just so that her, they were slightly more engaged. She had a better drive. I wasn't able to budge her. Like I really wasn't able to budge her. And then after that, since we were able to build off what we just did in her brain more so than anything else, I shot a few double leg takedowns and she stopped me right away. Yeah. I like, you like literally just stuffed me and I fell down into the ground and you did not feel symptomatic.
1: Right. Right. And it felt like easy. Yeah. Like we're be- like, most of the time when I'm trying to defend a takedown, it takes like all of my energy, all of my gas tank. And then I'm like spent where right. that was just like a quick, easy little adjustment that like saved so much. And right, I don't know. I was like, just thinking as you're talking, like, it's just like little inches mm-hmm. and it's just like fighting where it's like a little inch can make like a huge difference Right. Like, when you're throwing a punch, when you're shooting a takedown, just right. like, it's a game of inches. And like so many people just, I don't know. Just don't know about those little, those little tiny adjustments that make such a
0: huge difference. Right. And we can connect those dots through strength conditioning, which is great, but it also needs to fit well into what is she training day in and day out? Because that has been her defense for so long Mm -hmm. from the beginning of time of her doing MMA. That's been her defense. So now that her body's giving her feedback through peeing that like, Hey, this isn't working for me. And it's going to impact not just her, her pelvic floor function, but her performance. And then it's going to basically fuck with her head too. Because then if she's peeing when she's getting taken down and she's like, I don't want to get taken down. I already like am stressed out and pissed off about this. And now I'm just pissing. So, (laughs) (laughs) What's
1: funny is that like, I, should have, I mean, I did know this because I have like chronic low back pain Mm -hmm. because of the exact same reasons. But when you start peeing on your partner's head, you're like,
0: oh, maybe I should actually address this. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Right. And then what we were talking about earlier is, you know, she's had back pain for how many years? I don't even know. Since like the
1: beginning of fighting. Yeah. 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 I mean, I've been fighting for eight, eight eight-ish years, like really
0: intensely actually fighting and I've had back pain the entire time. Right. The entire time. And when I watch her move, I'm like, well, of course you've had back pain this whole yeah. time. Of course. It just makes absolute sense that you've had back pain because of the positions you default to, both when you're like lifting and training, but also how you fight. So, what can we do that will both improve your back pain and then how it's also some of those same tendencies have manifested now into some pelvic health symptoms? Mm-hmm. Well, now is a great opportunity where we can improve her back pain, improve her pelvic health, and also have it have significant carryover into her performance. And like, that's the key. This is why you can be more athletic after having babies because you just have better tools and awareness. And it Mm -hmm. really forces you to like take inventory of what your body needs and how can that have as much like well-rounded carryover as possible. Mm -hmm. So we did a couple of those drills and then I had her go against Jared, my husband. He's probably like, he's like six to 220. And like, he didn't go like as hard as he could, <laughs> but he provided a lot of intensity and yeah. you were, and you were able to stop him yeah. and like fairly fast. And even when you stopped him, you were able to, and you were on the floor, you're able to recover kind yeah. of like shrimp
1: out. Yeah. I felt like I could like position. keep, keep going. I mean, you can't just like stop and fight. Right. So like finding a new position, finding a dominating position right. was a lot easier when I
0: had like structure and stability behind me. Right. Yeah. So we were able to watch her like kind of flow out of it too. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't just stopping the takedown. It was then being able to get into a new position and keep going without Mm -hmm. feeling um, derailed by, Oh, I just got like owned or I just peed (laughs) or whatever. Like you were able to kind of build off of all of that. And I thought that was a big game changer for, for your training and your vagina. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) The mystery Uh, case. case. (laughs) God. And then what else we, we drilled some striking, which was interesting because another time you've experienced symptoms was when she's on top and there's a person on the bottom who is bucking their hips. So just imagine somebody doing like repetitive Glute bridges or hip thrusts, where they're just trying to like violently. bridge violently bridge somebody off of them. Okay, so I got to be that person violently <laughs> bridging um, while Miranda was throwing strikes or like pretend strikes against me. You did land a couple on yeah. accident. A couple it's slaps. like a,
1: it's like riding a mechanical bull, right? Yeah, yeah I can say
0: there's actually like so much crossover into those of you, if any of you who do equestrian are randomly listening to <laughs> <laughs> um, this podcast. About fighting, I don't know if it's the same vibe, but like maybe being able to absorb that force repetitively mm-hmm. and somewhat unpredictably too. Yeah, because I'm not just like bucking up and down; it's also to the side. I'm throwing mm-hmm. my hip. I'm trying to escape from the bottom, pushing my knees, pushing her pushing knees, leg, yeah. pushing her hips, just defending myself. Have my hands up, so I'm trying to be really dynamic on the bottom. But because she's on top in a dominating position, which she wants to be in, she has to be able to throw a lot of strikes, a lot of elbows, a holding position. Yeah. Holds me down too, so that I'm not able to escape from the bottom. So Mm -hmm. she's having to generate a lot of force and tension down onto my body while throwing strikes while like literally kind of riding this mechanical (laughs) wall. So when did you start peeing?
1: Um, like. Ye- yesterday or when
0: well I like in general in that general.
1: position yeah I mean I would say it was definitely it was again I'm experiencing these symptoms like towards the end of the week right but it's when I am trying to just hold and like that squeeze hold my legs squeeze yeah. and try to generate force by like creating that torque right to come up and down and up and down it's not right. just one strike it's like multiple 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 constantly moving constantly right. striking you know both arms, so right. it's like it's. I don't even know what I'm gonna do. Right. So how how is my body supposed to know what I'm gonna do? Cause exactly. It's just like an unpredictable
0: mess. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And so that's why you can't say okay, like you're gonna breathe here, and your position's gonna be this. Like you yeah. cannot do that in this sport. So what we changed was some of her, a little bit of her mechanics. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I had her do was as I'm bucking. And she was kind of like winding up for a strike instead of going like up high into an extension mm-hmm. of think of like a what a triple extension with a power clean looks like instead of her coming up from there, I had her pivot her opposite. So like the arm she's going to hit with, I had her pivot her opposite knee into the floor. Cause she needs to think in terms of like knee shoulder and feet that works well for her brain. And so as she's hitting with her right arm, for example, I wanted her to think about drive your left knee into the ground mm-hmm. And Plank, that, right? yeah, just plant the knee, boom, plant the knee, boom, and that increased her rotation. It increased her power. Mm-hmm. It I even you it, a
1: couple times. Yeah, <laughs> she's like slapped because she's like, oh shit, I didn't even realize that.
0: Um, but that just like opening up that whole body sling mm-hmm. really made a big difference, and it felt so much more powerful. Mm-hmm. And I had, I could not escape. Yeah. And faster, like more powerful, faster.
1: Right. And then like, I don't have to think so much about the rest of my body as long as I was thinking about
0: like planting that knee because it just naturally like turned my body for me and kept myself down. Right. And then for her planting that opposite knee for the arm that she's striking with, That was also involving her glutes a lot more too. So that was giving her that, her base, a lot more stability so that I wasn't bucking her off of me and frankly, putting her pelvic floor in a position to be able to absorb that force because as she's striking, as I'm bucking randomly, she's being able to like, what did I say? Like drive that knee into the floor or um, plant that knee. knee, And that's keeping her glutes behind her instead of squeezing up into that extension position. So I I know a lot of this is probably a little bit hard to follow, but I hope you understand the point of all of this nuance is that there are mechanical adjustments that can improve performance and pelvic health. And that's really important for anybody who's wanting to participate in any kind of combat sports like jujitsu or, or MMA or kickboxing or anything along that spectrum. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think an extremely hopeful thing because it can be embarrassing and really frustrating to be like, so distracted by like, did I just pee? Yeah. Did that just happen? And then like worried about that, like worried about what that means.
1: Yeah. And it, and it's such, I mean, it is just such a male dominated sport and mm-hmm. a lot of the coaches are male. So they just right. like, don't understand. And that, I mean, that's fine. That like, Right. I don't know how else to explain it by like just being straightforward. I have to be straightforward with my coach most of the time. Right. And still doesn't really, right. you know, it's not like he doesn't get it. He just doesn't like, he has no
0: concept of right. anything that goes on. So. Yeah. I mean, there's such a huge majority of people that maybe don't even know what MMA is. Mm-hmm. And then there's a huge majority of people that like, okay, I know what MMA is, but then they don't really know that there are women fighting mm-hmm. in um, like the UFC, for example, yeah. they don't know that there's other like organizations outside of the UFC where women are fighting, and then we just keep having these sub subgroups, right? And then there's there can't be that many moms yeah, in there's MMA. Not, there's not like there's at least
1: not. I mean, like in the UFC, there's not
0: right. many. I mean, I can I feel like I can a count on one hand. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like <laughs> truly a handful, and that's now. But I think that the future of MMA for women is just going to explode yeah. with jujitsu. Um, sort of being like this gateway drug for a lot Mm. of people coming in kickboxing. um, And then now just people having exposure, like little girls having exposure to jujitsu at a young age, and then having that so many years and so many reps of that. So anyway, like, I just think that there is a, a huge, there's so much potential here. It kind of reminds me of what CrossFit was like 15 years ago, where there were a handful of people doing it, but we didn't really, it wasn't talked about. It wasn't as well known. It wasn't as understood even though like UFC has so much and MMA in general has so much exposure, these subgroups essentially of like mm-hmm. female fighters and then mom fighters is yeah. so small. But I think that there is, we're going to see so much growth with yeah. that.
1: Well, the funny thing, like when you're saying that, like when I first started fighting mm-hmm. and I would try to explain it to people, they just weren't like comprehending that I did it. Right. So I just started saying, I'm just, I box. Cause right. I like people can like grasp that idea. Cause there's like, boxing is just like a universal, right. like, Oh, okay. Right. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Right. But like trying to explain to like someone that I like get into a cage right. with these little tiny gloves on yeah. and like MMA is mixed martial arts. So it's like all of the martial arts in one. So it's like wrestling, right. grappling, jujitsu, you know, all of right. these things, but it was just so much easier to be like uh,
0: boxing. Yeah. I just get <laughs> punched yeah. in the face and it punch people in the yeah. face. Is that clear? Yeah. I mean, it is, it is really hard. I think to There's a huge culture shift that has happened and a huge culture shift for female athletes and moms in general, pursuing that like lifetime of athleticism where your career's not over when you become a mom. Mm-hmm. And I know something that's pissed you off is when you said you were pregnant, how many people were like, Oh, that's <laughs> the
1: question I got the most is, so what are you going to do now? Right. And I'm like, what do you mean? What am I going to do now? I'm going to have yeah. a baby. And then I'm going to go back to fighting. They're like, Oh, you really think like you can, you can do that. Yeah. Like, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Hold my beer. (laughs) Hold my baby. (laughs) baby (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So then let's see some other positions that we trained. So that was really good for her sparring and hitting, especially from being on top and maintaining that position. And then the other one that we did was clench work Mm -hmm. stuff. Can you tell all of these people what what that means? Yes.
1: It's like standing wrestling, I guess. Yeah. So it's like when you're up against the wall, I mean, yes, you don't have to be up against the wall, but most of the time, if you're in a fight, it's going to be up against like the cage or the wall mm-hmm. or whatever. And you're basically like moving your hands and feet, feet, feet. and feet, feet and hips to like get the most dominating position so that you can like throw a knee, throw an elbow, throw some sort of strike. Um, and you, you don't really want your back on the cage. Cause mm-hmm. that's like you know, considered
0: the less dominating of right. the two positions. But that's like what you like to do is to get, get back somebody get somebody their- get
1: somebody's back to the cage. And then like, you know, you can take them down from there, you can separate and strike. There's so many different things. And it's also just kind of like a it's kind of like a bitchy position because you can like do little things that like are just annoying, like dig your head into people's necks right. and just weird little, yeah, I felt which that. I, li- yeah, I like. Yeah. I like the, I like the little like subtle things that no mm-hmm. one else can see, but the person going with you can see. And that's why I like clinching Cause I like just getting right in there. It's like locking horns with someone. So you really know what someone has. in right. the clinch. But like one position that's been really hard for me is called a tie clinch, And it's basically when you have, I'm going to do it to you so I can, yeah. see. your uh, partner <laughs> has your elbows like inside Um, on like uh, right by your shoulders. And then they have their hands on the back of your head, like pulling you down. So they're driving with their elbows into your chest almost and pulling your, your head down Mm -hmm. on your neck with your hands. So it's just like a weird, awkward, like driving force. And I was having a lot of problems with it because I just like, I'm so tall. Like I stand so tall that I was kind of just getting like thrown around like a rag doll. So like, that was really frustrating to me because the clinching is like, my the best part of my game one of well in striking but like that standing aspect is like right the strong part of my game and I usually just like dominate girls at my gym and guys at my gym in that position and I've just been like getting owned yeah it's been
0: hard on me right and what I observed especially when we were doing that I had my hands on the back of her neck basically trying to like pull her down and collapse her I was noticing like I know I don't do that kind of fighting. So I'm paying attention to the mechanics of what I need to do to put a lot of resistance and force down on her. How can I collapse her, but how can she prevent me from collapsing her? That was sort of my like coach assessment was, okay, what is she doing? What can I do to counter it? What's happening? And why is she collapsing when people are pulling down on her neck like that? Yeah. And a huge part of it, Was that her hips were not staying under her. They were collapsing under. Again, that like, that clenchy butt, grippy butt position where she loses that hip drive. And so then we had a significant like light bulb moment, which you said, you're like, this makes me like rethink so much of my whole fighting, (laughs) like not just postpartum, but like kind of everything is being able to withstand. Um, Because I was able to break, break her down and collapse her core. And again, this isn't something I'm doing, but it was just like understanding her mechanics. Like where's her give? Where's her weak point? Okay. I'm going to take advantage of that. But when she made this adjustment of getting her butt slightly behind her, not letting her hips kind of sink in to try to collapse by bringing her hips into my body, she was able to keep her hips slightly away from my body while still keeping her upper body in and really close to me. I could not budge her. Yeah. And that's because she got into a much more athletic position where she was using so much glue and hip drive into me. I could not move her at all. There was no collapse. There was no weak point anymore. And like, I could feel that.
1: It was a hard thing for me to
0: get mentally because
1: in the clinch you want to stay really close. You mm-hmm. don't want to give any space. Right. So when even my coaches said like, you need to keep, you know, you need to keep your hips back. You need to keep, I'm like, no. Cause then I'm going to give too much space. Right. You know what I mean? But that little inch, that yeah. little tiny bit, I'm still really close, still able to strike, right. still right. avoid the things that I need to avoid with just a better structure. Right. So it just like, it was like 10 years of doing <laughs> the same thing. And all of a sudden it was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> right.
0: That was it. It was yeah. the inch. Yeah. yeah. And it was really just changing her, her glute and hip position so that she could maintain that hold and that stability and that control Because so much of that is like control under force Mm -hmm. and being able to absorb that, being able to produce that without that collapse, especially as you're getting punched or as you're trying to strike and throw elbows or throw knees or whatever, being able to still come back to that base without your base giving. Mm -hmm. And the second your hips jet forward. And basically when your pelvis goes in front of your rib cage, you lose that control. Also, you get your freaking back problems and back pain there where after your fight or between rounds or after practice, you're like, shit, like Mm -hmm. my back hurts. Well, that's why, because you spent so much time producing downward force with your hips in front of your rib cage. And so when you can produce more force and withstand more force with your glutes behind you, or at least, at least under your rib cage, that small movement and adjustment makes a dramatic performance and pelvic health difference. Mm -hmm. And like, that is going to have a significant carryover into kind of everything.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So that was a good one to good one to observe. And it was very obvious from my experience of trying to produce force against her was there, there was the feeling of there's no give now. Yeah. I couldn't find her like I don't know. I just couldn't find a way to make you give in that position. I just felt really stuck.
1: Yeah. It felt like I felt like how I used to feel, if that makes sense. Like that same feeling of like that, like, Oh, you're not going to, you're not even going to compete with me in this position Cause it's like, that's where my brain needs to go. I need to be like the lion of the room type thing. And like, I haven't felt that in my, like what would be my position that everyone's like afraid of me in that position <clears throat> I haven't felt that in a long time, so yeah, That's
0: good. Oh, yeah. I love it. I, you almost look like you're gonna cry. Yeah, well, it just like feels
1: good to just kind of like have that.
0: Yeah, back. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. I think what you said, some which I was like, who, thank you. This is a really nice compliment." You said like <laughs> that I'm like really dominating when we grapple yeah. and we go, and in that position, it was like, "Oh no, no, no! I am not the dominant one here." Yeah, and it was like very, very clear that there was no. I could not move you and I couldn't escape. Mm-hmm. And if I was going to escape, it was going to have to go to the floor. Yeah. And like, you don't necessarily want that either. Right? Yeah. You know? So that was, it was just really interesting to see how her drive, um, was able to absolutely change and eliminate that feeling of just collapsing at her core mm-hmm. and also being worried about peeing when you're like really driving into somebody and pressing in and, um, having to have that much downward force, pressure, and tension. Yeah on her core system. Cause again, think about all of that tension when you're generating such downward force and your hips are in front of your pelvis. Like, yeah, you're going to freaking pee because you're just bearing down Mm -hmm. completely bearing down. So how can you still bear down, but you need to be in a position to better absorb that much downward force and pressure. And that's what we were able to manipulate with just that, that pelvis Uh, position slight like literally an inch of making your glutes more available to drive into Mm me. It's weird to think about, but it was really really effective to see that. And I'm glad we have some, some film, um, yeah. film. Do people still say film? No, they do. <laughs> Influencing, but like, <laughs> tell me you're old that, that telling me you're old. Um, so we have that. And now today we did a lot of different strength and conditioning. I wanted to test her ability to maintain control under a lot of fatigue and both from like, uh, that positioning perspective and her symptom perspective. Angry and then getting her tired to the point of throwing up.
1: Yeah, how'd that happens. feel today? Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Um, I mean, I, it felt a lot like how a fight would feel. Yeah. So it was like moments of like explosiveness and really hard, like go go go, mm-hmm. and then like just like that extreme fatigue. Right. So I, don't, I haven't felt that in a long time, so yeah. it was hard for me to like. And I was telling you, I haven't puked in a workout in <laughs>
0: years, yeah. years and years and years. So. Yeah. It was just a different type of fatigue. And for my uh, strength and conditioning coaches or people out there who will understand this flow of the program, I had her start with some medicine ball throws and just like a slight rotation, rotational throws. And that was to mimic a wrestling drill that she's been doing where it would be like her getting under somebody's crotch and then driving through and trying to like drop them down to the floor. Like, I don't know if there, was there like a name for that? Like 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 single leg, uh,
1: high crotch, single leg. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's so like a single leg-ish takedown, mm-hmm. um, but with just a lot more like hook under the crotch and that pivot of having like really use your glute to throw the person down to the ground. So she was doing that with like a medicine ball. And I thought that was a good way to simulate what she would try to do in a fight, like is yeah. simulate a takedown, right? And just drill that. And we did that in, in interval bouts. And then we went into, I don't know, a set that like freaking destroyed her, yeah. which was... Uh, <laughs> Some front squats, which again are very hard for her because of the glute and pelvis position. She just wants to kind of tuck under. And then we call it like the dog shit position, like what dogs <laughs> look like. <laughs> this is like my most unedited um, yeah. whatever. It's <laughs> fine. Um, but she, yeah, typically, especially when she starts to get tired, goes into that dog shit position with her front squats. So I wanted to get her tired and have to maintain control with keeping her glutes behind her, even if it wasn't super low. So we were training some static holds at the bottom, some sort of like tempo stuff with her front squats, not even heavy load. We only worked up to 65 pounds, but that's about 50% of what her opponents are when she's fighting. They they fight at 115. So I thought, okay, like going around 50% is about the kind of force that would be being placed on her. So then we added an element of to that after she was already pissed off at me for that, making her, <laughs> making her drill some of her front spots and just positional work there under load. Cause again, it's front loading that core where somebody's holding her down and generating a lot of forward force on her midline to have to maintain control of and her glutes to stay available instead of caving and dropping under you dropped the barbell a few times with mm-hmm. like the barbell one.
1: Yeah. Barbell a few times
0: one. Yeah. yeah. And like that really made her mad. Cause then I started calling the barbell like her opponent and re- referring <laughs> to the barbell as like her. And so that started fucking with her head a little bit, but that was good. Yes. She needed that. Yeah. And so I, the uh, cue that I kept telling her was you need to press into her, press into the barbell, resist getting pushed down. And so when she was able to think about that barbell being front racked, like a human pressing down into her, she was able to generate a lot more force and upright torso position which again, was able to yield a lot more control and tension that was very well distributed because now she's pushing it into the barbell instead of down into her pelvic floor. But I hope you guys followed that. (laughs) Well,
1: yeah, and it was a good cue because it's like, I've literally felt that before in Octagon. So it's like, it's not like it was just some like made up thing that I'm like, yeah, it happened in my last fight that I lost. So it it took me to a little bit of a dark
0: place. (laughs) Yeah. So then I had her go into drilling it under fatigue an easy way to do that was like run to the second mailbox and back. So that was maybe like a 42nd run, um, ish, maybe 42nd mm-hmm. run sprint. sprint. Yeah. And then I had to like <laughs> run out and then sprint back the rest of the ways that she was, her heart rate was really high going into that. And then now go down and hold a 10 set, like basically 10 seconds from unracking to re-racking, um, this front squat, doing that hold. So I had her squat down, and hold it for ten seconds, and then drive up. And that was extremely hard to do, especially under fatigue. And I did that both for her pelvic health reasons to see, like, am I going to make you pee right now? Mm-hmm. And also, or is the barbell going to win? Are you going to drop the barbell? Did the barbell win?
1: Couple times. Couple
0: times. <laughs> and what did I say that really made you mad?
1: Oh, you said, "Are you?" <laughs> I thought I was. Well, you said that it was the last one, and then I did the last one. You go, "Are you good with that one, or do you want to do one more?" That's <laughs> like. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. Fuck you. <laughs> you. mad. Yeah. Yeah. And then we I was probably, like, I knew what that was. That was like, that was not good. So you need to do another one, but it was your way
0: of Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. and it was like your and putting it on you to say, like, what are you satisfied yeah. with? Yeah. Um, so we did a couple more, actually, I think maybe one mm-hmm. or two more to make sure that yeah. we finished on a really high note where she felt good about withstanding that much fatigue and then having to withstand like 50% of what her opponent's weight would be pressing down on her at the very bottom, her most vulnerable position is that bottom of that front squat and having that front loaded weight and pressure load or whatever. So that bottom is like the most important part
1: if I'm fighting, because that's like the make or break. Like, am I going to get taken down and Mm -hmm. and
0: taken into a dominant position or am I going to get out? Am I going to be able to stand back up too? Like, can I like, can I withstand that much downward force and still be able to stand back up mm-hmm. with it, drive back up when I'm already freaking tired. Yeah, Cause that braking. little area that I hate is the weakest area of my game. Right. So, so but that was a real fun drill that we did. <laughs> <laughs> <So fun. laughs> and then we took it into a lot of sled work because we need, we need to work on her sprawls. We need to work on her drive. We need to work on that pelvis position that um, she was doing both when she tries to drive somebody into the cage and when she is trying to either do a takedown or withstand that takedown um, and just really trying to get her brain to understand that pelvis position. So there was a few times when, especially starting to get the sled moving where boom, pelvis drops under. Cause that's like her go-to is like, well, how do I drive into this sled? And also I was standing on the sled. So it was pretty freaking heavy sled. Um, I'd say probably a 200, 200 pound sled maybe. So it was really heavy or even, I don't know how much. Yeah. Ish 200 ish. I can't, I can't do math, especially on the spot. Um, but we were able to, you know, get her to recognize, okay, I see what I'm doing here. I'm really trying to like get this sled to budge. There's a lot of weight on here and her default movement to try to get that momentum of the sled moving was hip drop. And I'm going to try to like drive into (laughs) it. So what we did is have her drop her head down more. And really focus on her glute being behind her. So then she's driving, thinking about head forward and glute, like producing that force and generation. The and same that thing difference. that I would do if
1: I was sprawling through a takedown was right. the same type of
0: movement we did on the sled. And right. that's like, that's when it clicks. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I feel like we need to like show, like I need to make some freaking real that'll take me forever to make <laughs> that shows like sled work and how that transfers to like your MMA. Um, yeah. because, it's, it's significant. It's so important to be able to connect those dots and have mm-hmm. it, have it be like really transferable strength conditioning to what you're struggling with mm-hmm. in the octagon or just in your training in general. So we did a lot of sled work with a lot of sled pushing. And then I had it simulate three rounds, which is so fun of about 40, 45 seconds Um, just like around my, my little cul-de-sac here, the island in my cul-de-sac and like that made you puke, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. yeah so then like that was a good like sprint for about 45 seconds rest for about a minute and then like repeat we did a lot of that that felt um pretty horrible tell me about what your legs something you said to me really stood out about your legs yeah so I would say like each 15 second increment kind of Mm -hmm. stood for like
1: a round so like a a typical fight is like three rounds and usually Mm -hmm. by like that third round your legs kind of give out in a fight I mean not always but like there is just, like, some, like, feeling of wobble, Like, it's just, like, yeah. wobbly. It's just, like, you've been in a fight. Everything kind of is shutting down. Um, or, like, getting up off of the stool. You almost feel like your legs just, like, Ooh, don't work. Yeah. And I almost got, like, a little bit of anxiety the first time we I did the sprint because that last 15 seconds, like, took me right into the fight where it was, like, that, like, scary feeling of, like, are my yeah. legs going to work right now or are they not going to work? Right. And it was, like, that, like, really, really intense – Fatigue, like give out,
0: like yeah, don't want to move anymore. Yeah, yeah. So then we did it more. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I need her to feel safe there. Yeah. I need her to have trust that when her body feels like shit, she can still go. Yeah. Or to like to push
1: so much that right. I don't feel like that. Anymore. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Both. Like be able to like override that. Like I'm not worried about her mental toughness. I just need her body to like keep working with your brain. Yeah. Keep working with your brain until like have that trust built in that like if I or who anyone says, can you go? Mm-hmm. It's like, yes. And not just because you're mentally stubborn, but because like you physically can go too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got screaming babies yeah, in the sorry. background. <laughs> <laughs> that one's fine. <laughs> so we did that and then we went into a uh the pull sled, which you just straps go over your arm. You're just like, you guys have all probably seen me walking up and down my neighborhood pulling my kids behind me. Um, but this time, Randa just, just got to pull like a, a 45 pound plate or so, but I put the weight vest on her. So that was a 20 pound weight vest. And then I had her run with it. So I had her run and do some sprints there going forward. And then I had her turn the sled around and then pull it backward because I wanted to and have her like run with it too. So kind of like a high kind of felt like to me anyway, like a high knees, but not even high knees, just more of like that footwork of like trying to like keep your, I wanted to keep her pelvis under her rib cage when she was pulling it backwards. And then when she was pulling it forward, I really wanted her running and getting that drive of her hip. So we were drilling both of those things, like our down, she was pulling it and our back, she was pulling it. Like she was pulling it backwards, essentially, instead of moving forward, she was pulling it back and we were just training those different glute positions and hip drive positions, and then adding the intensity of faster footwork to it, because that will simulate what she has to do in sparring a lot of the times and just where she naturally gets fatigued. So I wanted to, to kind of have a good crossover into a lot of the, the, the MMA that she does, but in a way where she's tired and she's loaded up and she's having to progress forward or she's having to move backwards, but maintain control while moving back. How'd that feel? terrible. Yeah.
1: Good. Terrible. Hard. <laughs> yeah. Really yeah. hard. Just hard because it's like, I'm just not used to
0: my body's just not used to being in those positions and having to work that hard. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, um, sled work, God, when people are like, what's your favorite, like, if you could do one exercise for the rest of your life, you know, like those (laughs) questions, maybe only I get those lame ones, but, um, (laughs) you're like, I just want to punch people for the rest of my life. (laughs) Um, well, I just love sleds. They're so versatile. They're so great for your strength and they're so good for your conditioning. And then that hybrid effect of just doing it is, it's such a great workout and it is so transferable to like, Sport specificity, especially like MMA and what she needs to work on with her overall positioning. Like it is such a great thing for, for any kind of combat sport, being able to like drive forward, drive back and get the glutes involved while mm-hmm. getting progressively more fatigued from pushing,
1: mm-hmm. you
0: know, did your heart feel like it was going to come out of your chest mm-hmm. for a bit there? Yep. Yeah. So we did that and then we capped off the workout. Um, and I knew that I needed to do it with her because she was done. She was way done with the workout at this point in time. We had reached our two hour point probably. Mm-hmm. And so I said, okay, we're going to do it. I picked 10 minutes because I knew that was long enough for her to stay like mentally engaged. If it would have been 15, she would have been like, fuck this. <laughs> so we did 10 minutes of three sprawls, which is like a burpee, but not like all the way down to the push-up position, just kind of like a drop, kick your feet back and stand up like halfway or so mm-hmm. uh, three sprawls into five jump squats. Cause I wanted her sprawling that's tiring. That's hard on the midline and pelvic floor jumping hard on the pelvic floor. She's already really fatigued after what this has looked like. I wanted her to pee. I wanted to see what would happen. And I wanted her to be super tired and sick from this. Um, and then we did like seven thrusters Mm -hmm. and then nine pretty heavy kettlebell swings. And then a run that was maybe like 150, 200 meters down the street. So I did that with her because I knew she needed a person (laughs) to push her and to like be mad during that time to just sort of like keep her engaged and competitive enough to finish this off really well. And just to like push, push those limits a bit. So ended up getting in five rounds, which is really good. Um, I liked that too, for simulating like a a longer fight. And able to maintain the same cadence throughout, which was also I think really effective and a really good conditioning, really good conditioning circuit for you. Yeah. And uh and then we finished with box jumps, which I actually would never do um in that order. I would always put box jumps first, but I wanted to see what her her jumping mechanics look like because this girl does not jump. Nope. No, not <laughs> not like a, jumper. a jumper, not a jumper, not a jumper, <laughs> not, a jumper. <laughs> not a jumper, but never been, never
1: been a jumper.
0: Shocking she was landing with her glutes like so squeezed and so under her. And I was like, <laughs> get your butt behind you. Um, and that's cause you know, she, I think her start position was already kind of like tucked with your arms, like, um, down or just like slightly in front of her rib cage. So that naturally put you in that tucked position. So then when you went back and landed, you're landing in that same position that you started in. Mm-hmm. So what I had her do is bring her arms up over her head. So they're straight up swing them back because that made her get her glutes way behind her and then jump. Mm -hmm. So then she was used to landing it again, the position that she started in. So that arms up glutes back and then land. And then she's landing with her glutes back and under her sort of in like a quarter squat position. And I know you said you hate box jumps because they hurt your back. Yep. And I'll do box
1: jumps and then not even as high as we did today, probably like half that height. mm -hmm. And I will be like out of commission for up to like four days. And that's just like a minute of box jumps. Like it like thing wrecks me. So we'll do them like as warm-ups, you know? Mm-hmm. And like in our warm, because we do like some a little bit of like cardio before yeah. we start doing rounds. And that'll be like in the circuit. And but then by the time we get to the rounds, my back is like done. And then I, my rounds are terrible. So <laughs> I usually just like skip them, do something right. else, because it's like right. I
0: would rather be able to right. move. Right and like I need you to be explosive and I need you to be able to absorb that force of landing. Mm -hmm. So you need to do box jumps. Yeah. And when we made that adjustment to starting with arms up Mm -hmm. to back behind you, now you're basically your your pelvic floor kind of broadens when you get your butt back in that somewhat hingy position into that explosive position into the land in that Mm -hmm. quarter like quarter or ish squat. How'd your back feel after those felt like I was an athlete, (laughs) like I actually knew what I was doing, but I
1: didn't feel it in my back at all.
0: Yeah. So, and is that like the first time you've done box jumps without feeling it in your back?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, I just, I mean, again, it's just little, little things that you just like, aren't, no one's like out there just like preaching that. Right. You are, (laughs) but like, you know what I mean? Especially (laughs) in my, like in the gym and in my like world, Right. that's not like people aren't, don't. Give right. a shit about your box jumps. They right. care about how you're fighting. Right. Fight. Yeah. So it's like, oh, those suck, do something else. Right. You know what I mean? That's yeah. and that's
0: kind of just like how it is. Right. So yeah. Well, I think there's so much potential mm-hmm. to bring like good strength and conditioning and appropriate like drilling mechanics to MMA. Again, like it is not my job ever at like my blue belt life mm-hmm. to teach. <laughs> to teach jujitsu or MMA or anything. That is not my thing, but can we make certain like athletic mechanical adjustments that improve that overall performance or that overall Mm -hmm. movement or like whatever that, like, what's the goal? What's the end goal of that movement, of that takedown, of that sequence? Like, what's the goal? How can we, like, how can we improve that from a, give you a mechanical advantage? Yeah. Well,
1: and like the cool thing about MMA is that in jujitsu and everything is like, there's always something new to learn. Right. And so like, this is just like, I mean, you, when I think about that, I think of like, you know, a new submission or a new throw something, but there's also like what you're teaching me is also so many new things to learn. And that's just going to make everything that I already know that much better.
0: Right. Well, we've had a very successful weekend so far and we're still going to train tomorrow. Yep. So, um, and that will be Sunday and I'm hoping I can get this podcast out like within the next uh, a few days or so, my guy's gonna like really love me for that. <laughs> like, hey, let's get this out. But I, I wanted to capture this time that I think is like a critical turning point in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because you've done the work. Yeah, you've done the work through your pregnancy, I'm, like making all of the adjustments. You have been so freaking patient. You've been itching. You had the opportunity to fight early, right? Yeah. I was, uh, I got a fight offer for
1: April for this month, mm-hmm. like a couple months ago. And you said, no, I said no without even learning the girl's name. Yeah. If I, yeah, it's yeah. Just, yeah, it was hard for me to say no.
0: Cause I don't say no. Right. So, and if you would have known who it was, then you would have been like, okay, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And then I found, <laughs> I found out who it was and yeah, I, I would
1: have done it, but yeah. it's better that I didn't because I want to fight this girl and I want, I want to
0: hurt her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's like athlete brain. And it's also like, that's such a great example of knowing how to leverage athlete brain Mm -hmm. because it can be so freaking toxic Yeah, and being able to get to a point in your like athletic maturity, where you're able to like really leverage how you're using that competitiveness and that, um, that like inner fire and passion that Mm -hmm. will fuel you and make you freaking great. Yeah. And it will also destroy you if it is not used responsibly.
1: Yep. Because like my brain
0: tells me to do a lot of stupid things. Yeah. <laughs> my body <laughs> just isn't, isn't ready for all the right. things that my brain wants me to do yet. So. Right. So I think you've just been so patient and you've had such a huge like growth as an athlete and mom and some motherhood kind of does mm-hmm. that to you sometimes. Um, and I think that we're just at a really pivotal point right now at exactly seven months postpartum to where you're really building in, trying to get ready for fight camp, mm-hmm. which just give us a little preview of what fight camp looks like I or mean, like timeline. wise, it like eight weeks, 10 weeks? Well, I usually, cause I cut a lot of weight. Mm-hmm.
1: I usually start like my diet, like 12 weeks out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then I'll start like upping the intensity of my cardio, like 12 weeks mm-hmm. out just to kind of like get my body ready for right. it. Because once you get into that, like eight weeks, six, six to eight week mark, that's like the, like the sweet spot of when you're just like, I mean, like today, but like with sparring also, you know what I mean? So it's like, you're pushing yourself to complete failure pretty much every single day. And then like the last two weeks are more like, um, cardio based and recovery, body recovery to then get, you know, where I have to cut my weight the last week and then
0: fight. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So trying to gear up for that, um, that level of intensity, that level of training, and then more, I think more importantly than anything is like that level of confidence and like in her overall athletic readiness. And I know that I talk about that constantly, whether people like, mm-hmm. I mean, there's like so much there, like that is what so much rides on is like, what is this person's athletic readiness? And whenever I get DMs and emails asking like, Hey, like, when can I start doing X, Y, or Z again? Like, I don't know that answer. It really is so individual. And like what you, what your entire experience has been like, and I want Miranda going into that level of intensity and training and fighting feeling like I am athletically ready for whatever's going to get thrown at me Mm -hmm. and have that confidence going through that training and then going into a fight is like, I am ready. Mm -hmm. I am not afraid of what my body will do or not do. Like I know that it is ready. Mm -hmm. And like we're training that part of her athlete brain and body. And I think that we're like at such a critical turning point of like saying, okay, like we're having some symptoms. Cool. And we're going to do what we can to stop those or so that her brain knows what to do when she starts to get fatigued there and Mm -hmm. can make some of those adjustments without her having to like, even recognize that she, her body made that adjustment for her. Right. You know, just like, I don't have to think about that. The fact that I just moved my arm up right now, Mm -hmm. talking with my hands, it just does that naturally. Mm -hmm. So training that automaticity, training that, like that reactive style of of athleticism like that's it has to be like that it has to be that dynamic and the pelvic floor is no different than any other muscle it just happens to have some other functions to it yep so thank you thank for you. sharing all of this <laughs> and this is this is super fun for me too i am learning a lot as a coach and um that's how i learned best anyway is like getting like in it <laughs> going like all in and feeling it and, and feeling it on both ends, sort of like re- like receiving, like what that would feel like, and then doing it and just going through a lot of those motions. Fortunately, jujitsu gives me a little bit of an understanding, like a lot, you know, I can understand and follow what you're trying to say. The, language. Um, we, speak the language. we speak the language. I can drill. I don't want to get punched in the face, but if I get slapped a few times, I can handle it. So <laughs> a little elbow, a, little, a couple elbows. It's fine. It's, it's fine. I can take it. Just don't like bust my teeth. Um, but I'm absolutely learning a lot, and yeah. super grateful we're doing this. Yeah, me too. It's gonna be good. All right, if you guys are not following Miranda, Miranda, what's your Instagram? Just Miranda Granger, just that. Yep. Um, and yeah, follow her. Follow this process. Support moms that are pursuing high-level fitness and performance like this, especially in in an underdog capacity. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just again, a lot of people don't even realize that women are fighting MMA. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that she's a mom pursuing MMA, like that is, she is an underdog. Yeah. And we got to support those underdogs that are really representing so so many different elements of all of us. Yeah, I think so many
1: people like expect, like failure is like, okay, I'm right. using quotes, you know, right. for moms. Because right. it's like, well, they have like an excuse or like right. people use it as an excuse. And like, I kind of want to like shift that. Right. Or like, no,
0: we're moms. So we're like better because of it. We're yeah. stronger because of it. That's kind of yeah. like my goal now. So. Yeah, absolutely. And we can do like both mm-hmm. and it is harder and our whole life has changed and mm-hmm. our body has changed and our yeah, priorities have so changed. look at all that I'm changed. doing and look at all that I can still do. Because, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. cool. Yeah. Well, uh, it's really awesome to see it all unfold and please make sure you're just like following this process and sharing it with somebody who, you know, you think could really benefit from it. I think again, this sport and like across all combat sports is going to keep growing for women and people that are moms like me, I started jujitsu when freaking chance finally could start going to preschool and I could make it committed mm-hmm. class time again. It took mm-hmm. into like my being like in my thirties to say like, oh, I'm going to try this. Yeah, And like after being a mom, after all of this shit, yeah. like that's when I started. And there are so many people like that, that are finding these sports later in life. And like, maybe our bodies are different. Maybe they need something different. They need to train and be coached differently. And I think there's just so much potential to expand this conversation a lot. Yep. All right. Thank you guys for listening. And we will talk with you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the practice brave podcast. If you enjoy the show please leave a review and help us spread the work we are doing to improve the overall information and messaging in the fitness industry and beyond now if you are pregnant and you are looking for a trustworthy exercise program to follow i have you covered the pregnant athlete training program is a well-rounded program for pregnancy with workouts for each week that are appropriate for your changing body that's 36 weeks of workouts three to four workouts each week, and tons of guidance on exercise strategy. We also have an at-home version of that program. If you are postpartum and you're looking for an exercise program to follow, the eight-week postpartum athlete training program would be a really great way to help bridge the gap between rehab and the fitness you actually want to do. From there, we have the Practice Brave Fitness program, which is an ongoing strength conditioning program where you get new workouts each week and have a lot of guidance from myself and my co-coach, Heather Osby. This is the only way that I'm really offering ongoing coaching at this point in time. If you have ever considered becoming a certified pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach, I would love to have you join us. Pregnancy and postpartum athleticism is a self-paced online certification course that will uplevel your coaching skills and help connect the dots between pelvic health and long-term athletic performance, especially during pregnancy and postpartum. Become who you needed and become who your online and local community needs by becoming a certified pregnancy and postpartum athleticism coach. Thank you again for listening to the Practice Brave podcast. I appreciate you and please help me continue spreading this messaging, this information and this work.